0: The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no
1: shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. We have a very special guest today. We have Melinda Race, who's the program manager for The Carrying Place. And we'll let her talk all about that. Uh, how are you, Melinda?
2: I'm awesome. How are you guys tonight? Good. Good. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. I am a transplant from Boston. Woohoo! Boston. Yes, that's right. So I've been here for about 16 years. I was in the financial services industry for a long time, working in corporate America. I decided to make a change, and I went to school to be a social worker. During that time, I volunteered with a carrying place which is an organization that helps homeless working families. About two years ago, I actually got hired on a staff. So I am the program manager there.
1: Cool. Homeless working families. Tell us a little bit about
2: that. So when we think of homeless people, I think a lot of people immediately think of the people they see on the side of the road. But there is a giant gap in between the people on the side of the road and us. And there are people who are living in other people's uh, houses, sleeping on couches, a lot of sleeping in hotel rooms. So these are people that don't actually have a place to call home, but they have children and they're working. And these are people that are living in this cycle of poverty. Our families all have, they need to be working, making about $14 an hour is the minimum right now, and have children. And what we do is we're a transitional housing program. So we own 10 housing units in Cary. During the time that they are living with us, we bring them through the program, which is basically life skills, doing some budgeting and most likely trying to help them find a, a better job at this point.
1: That's awesome. How long does the program last and then what is the eventual outcome and timeline?
2: Technically the program lasts 16 weeks. Now I say technically because that's the time that they are in our housing unit and we're paying their rent in utilities. We're paying their rent and utilities so that they can save money for first and last month's rent, pay off debts, pay off eviction. But it's actually a 16-month program. So after the 16 weeks, the goal is that they are in their own housing unit, so in an apartment of their own. But during that next 12 months, it's a graduate program. And our graduate program, we work on some journeys. There's three basic journeys. One is home ownership, so out of an apartment and into your own home. So we work through things like more credit score work, paying off uh, other debts and just uh, saving money for a deposit. Two other journeys are a career, like a lot of them are in jobs, but they would like to be at a career. So we work through that. And then the last one is more education. So if there's something, a skill they want to learn or a trade they want to learn, that's the third journey that we work on in the 12 months.
1: So that's a transformation in itself, what they're going through, which has all kinds of parallels with health as well. Since we're talking about that population, and this is great to know because I honestly was not aware of this in-between homeless thing. I I had, you know, I've heard of the Ronald McDonald House, but that's all the knowledge I have. What kind of health challenges are common and is it difficult for them to uh, even think about exercise and nutrition?
2: People who are just looking to get food on their table get to work, uh, get their kids to school, make sure their kids are doing everything they need to do to be successful. Those things aren't on the table right now. Um, And that's what I see um, as going through my own journey. It's just really frustrating because they're not in a place to hear some stuff right now. So one of the things that we try to do is little things. They stop at fast food restaurants, which we all do, but it's on a pretty consistent basis because that's the easiest thing. That's the quickest thing kids need to eat. You've been going for 14 hours already in the day. So we're trying to work through that. So the health issues that you ask ask about, they're always tired, Um, always tired, always very low energy, which is very difficult because we're trying to get them to accomplish certain things. And really importantly to me is to give them confidence. And when you're tired and you're doing all these things, and then I say, hey, how about you make a turkey sandwich? That's not helping with confidence. (laughs) That's not helping. Yeah. And exercise, we try to have things. Obviously, we all know it's very difficult during this pandemic, but I try to give them activities on the weekends that are free for their kids. Like the art museum, you can walk around there and you can walk around there. So try to find things that they can do with their kids that gets them active. So that's always the biggest struggle.
1: Yeah, because when you have your list of priorities, I know there's some, maybe in social, when you're getting your social work degree, I know there's these priorities of, I guess, your needs. Was it Maslow's hierarchy, something like that? And so if you're worried about shelter and you're worried about food, you're not thinking about, oh, how can I trim down my belly and improve my gut health? It's just not going to happen. Now, self-care and I guess mental changes seems to be one of the most lacking things. So I'm wondering... If there would be a benefit to meditation type practices and just anything to improve their cognitive health, if they're open to it, what is their openness typically to things like that?
2: Depends. (laughs) So we try to do things like Headspace, that, that app. So we try to do little things like that. We do talk about meditation, mindfulness, but in tiny steps. So five minutes. During our meetings with them on Thursday nights, we do a list of goals. And most of the goals are pay this off, do this, do that. But I always make sure that there's one about self-care. And of course, self-care looks different for everyone. But when, you know, we're talking about all the different things they need to do, I try to suggest a different tool like Headspace or something like that. One of the other things that they actually really like to do is journaling. Yeah. So a lot of them do a lot of journaling. And so we try to get them books and things that they are excited about doing. And we just say, okay, one page of journaling this week. And how does that make you feel? So then the next week we talk about how that made them feel. And if it didn't work and they don't feel awesome about it, then let's try something else. Yeah. If it works, don't do it. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh,
1: for... The graduate program, if they're not able to save up enough to move into an apartment, what is there any kind of path after that, if that's one of their goals?
2: Yes and no. Right now, it is so difficult. The affordability in all of Way County is, the affordability and availability is a huge problem. So sometimes even if they've saved, we had one family that saved $10,000, which is a little out of the ordinary, but save that much money. We couldn't find a place for her. She had to go back to a hotel. Yeah. It's literally that bad. So we don't necessarily, because of the world we're living in right now, we don't have a great path going, you know, past that. But we're trying really hard. We're trying to make connections with private landlords and complexes. Unfortunately, a lot of private landlords sold their houses. Yeah, because this is the time to sell your house.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm far from homeless, and I don't ever see if we're afraid to move out and start a new lease because we know it's going to be double and we would be in big trouble. Uh, We were hoping to move into a house next year and it's not happening. No. So luckily we're locked in at our rate for another year and a half, but we know if we left, we'd be in deep trouble.
0: Um, So that's a tough problem. There seems to be a lot of things working against people trying to get into affordable housing right now for anybody. And one, the bank's getting into buying up old properties and renting them out, which is taking out kind of middle men type of, middle women, people who own single family homes and rent them out. And it just, it's getting harder and harder. Like it seems like the gap is growing in our area. We're in city or we're in the city of Cary recording this. We really don't even have like affordable housing at a city level or anybody taking responsibility for pushing that thing down the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, if it weren't for organizations like the carrying place, Dorcas ministries and things like that, I don't know that there'd be anything. And what's uh, amazing to me is these types of organizations are actually doing uh such a good job that I know in some cases the government actually wants to uh, partner with them because they're already figuring it out. But uh, so we're very thankful for what the carrying place does and offers. That's amazing. Now, we talked a little bit about the carrying place side of things. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your personal story. So I've known you since 2014, something like that. And you look a lot different than the last time (laughs) I saw you. You lost like half of you. And so tell us, let's go through this journey, starting way back when, and just as much as
2: you're willing to share. Thank you for noticing, first of all, Brandon. I've had a weight issue my entire life, some childhood trauma, things like that have made me have some food anxiety. So coupled with that, then you gain a lot of weight and lose tons of confidence and your body hurts all the time. So it's taken me a long time. I'm 44. I have lost uh, 90 pounds. Holy crap. <laughs> um, I got more to go, but. It's a child. <laughs> <laughs> what child is 90- 90 pounds? That's, that's kind of a big child, Brendan. <laughs> 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 that would make
0: the news. 90 pounds I was born today.
2: Not <laughs> <That's> a baby. <laughs> I went to the doctor once and he was like, we can't help your knees anymore because you're overweight. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm aware, but I'm overweight. I just had to take a little bit of soul searching. And why am I overweight? Why? Do I have such food anxiety, meaning I have to eat everything. And if I don't know where my next meal is coming from, I'm going to eat twice as much to make sure that I'm not hungry, eating anything. So what I learned is try to understand my emotions. And I got to be honest with you, it's about enjoying my food right now. I enjoy my food. And I had to learn what that meant. Simple things. I was an overweight person. Eat your carrots. Eat your apples. Goodness gracious. No, thank you. However, I have learned I actually love carrots. I do not like baby carrots. (gasps) Those are gross to me, but I love getting a regular carrot, cutting it up and just eating it like that. There's this beautiful sweetness to carrots that are not baby carrots. There's this beautifulness of it. And I know that sounds really weird, but that's how I'm learning to enjoy my food. Yes, I should be eating healthier, but I have to figure out what it is that I really enjoy. Apples. I don't like holding an apple in my hand. So if I cut up my apple and put it in a bowl, I'll eat one every day. And I only like Fuji apples. So it's really, it was really about learning about what makes me happy and using that joy in my food. And that's the emotion that I'm looking for when I'm eating. Obviously, it's really important for me to listen to my body. If I have a a piece of toast for breakfast, That means at lunch, I'm probably going to do up it to lots of protein. Protein is is my life. Protein makes a huge difference in how I feel, how I physically feel and what I do. So lots of protein, finding different ways to get protein in. But it's all about how I feel physically and how I feel emotionally and just working through that. And you know what? I had um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I was thinking about it. And in the old days, I'd be like, you can't eat that. You're fat. Don't eat that. But you know what? I really wanted a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. I had one bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and I loved it.
1: <laughs> and it was awesome. Get on Christmas.
2: <laughs> yes. And that was it. And I felt that emotion, happiness. And then I moved on with my day. And that, it took a long time. And I still have some things to learn. The other part of that, of course, is exercise. As an overweight person, you've been told you need to walk three miles a day, 10,000 steps every morning, get out there and walk. I actually don't like to walk. (laughs) I don't like it. And the more I try to make myself do it, the more I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I do like? I like strength training. Hey, I love it. I have a trainer. It's taken a while. What I love is when I increase my weights. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's a nice little boost of
1: serotonin, huh?
2: It took me a while. I did some boxing, which is really fun. So I tried boxing. I tried kickboxing. I just kept trying different things until I fell in love. And that's what works is that is trying to figure out what emotion I'm looking for and finding that thing that works for me. Because there's something out there that works for everyone. I just didn't look hard enough before.
1: Now, that's a great point. I think everybody thinks do a bunch of cardio, exercise more, eat less. But I think it's exercise correctly and eat what's right for your body is is a lot more accurate. I mean, that's interesting that the preparation of the food makes such a difference because a lot of people have texture aversions and visual. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can make you like or dislike a food. But that's pretty cool and interesting that you're able to find alternate ways to do it. And because I, I know for my wife, especially, she's similar too. There's certain types of food. She only have a certain way. Now, one thing about carrots, a lot of people are like, they're high in sugar. Shut up. It's better than ice cream. Screw it is, you.
2: It is better than ice cream. just <laughs> so stop it.
1: It's got a bunch of fiber. and it, it helps counteract a lot of that sugar. And you would need a bathtub of them to equal one bowl of ice cream. If you're... uh Carrot phobic, stop it! <laughs> Whoever's telling you to be, don't listen.
2: And go and go get them and cut them up. Don't get the baby carrots if you <laughs> if you have an aversion to those. I know baby carrots are good for you too and all that, but that's that was the thing that changed me was just trying to find a different way. And I don't even need a, any dip or anything like that with it. I just want to chop on. And that's the other that's the thing with um, cucumbers too. Like <laughs> I don't like a, a regular cucumber. I Cut it up, eh, But those like little English ones that are really small. <laughs> And you that's cut them up, a little salt and pepper, put them in a bowl, and that's what I chop on. It's just so good.
1: Yeah. So for my wife, when we do soups and things, if the carrots are big, she doesn't like it. And if the peppers and onions are big, she doesn't like it. everything has to be chopped small.
0: Oh. I was gonna say my wife has recently started buying a bag of carrots to give my dog like a as a bone. Because my dog has a lot of allergies and loves carrots and it's one of the things she can eat. And it's so much cheaper than buying these. You go into one of those Fufu places with the dog allergy bones and like that bones it's great bone your dog will love it it's 47 dollars i'm like <laughs> i'm not trying to buy her steak she's gonna eat it in two seconds so bag of carrots pro tip if you're sick of spending money on dog bones
2: i've actually heard that a lot that dogs love
0: those carrots. oh they love them yeah
1: unless you have a shiba inu and they're just assholes <laughs>
0: <laughs> they take the carrot and then just she shreds it throw it away she, she,
1: she, molly doesn't eat it no she shreds it Ever since she' was born, she won't well was that she was a pretty sick puppy um, when we first got her, and but she did like that I actually, they recommend for Sheba's that they're green free because sometimes they can create hot spots and they start chewing on themselves if it if it resembles a vegetable, she won't eat it really yep, period now sometimes if it's super flavored in something and cooked, we can get her to eat it, but not typically
2: I think th- you guys were giving her like chicken and rice at one point did she
1: so she's on this fancy pants, royal canine, more <laughs> expensive than my food, uh, prescriptive feed now.
0: You didn't buy a bag without of an offer up, did you? No <laughs> because we sold a bag because my dog stopped eating it and we that's the kind we gave him oh, like man. 120 dollars a bag that, that, or something
1: Oh my gosh uh, so this is the uh, white fish and potato the downside <laughs> is she smells like fish but <laughs> oh no <laughs> but she's healthy she's super sweet um, I couldn't so it's 100%.
0: cheaper that's what so we we do, were doing the same thing just so you know consider it's cheaper to just make your dog's dog food. <laughs> so she was not. We were had a mix that was like brown rice and tuna fish, broccoli and carrots. Yeah. So we just buy broccoli, carrots, make brown rice and a can of tuna fish, and we were like half the price of that dog food. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, no, but I'm too lazy, Joe. Okay. <laughs> but- <laughs> My wife makes a big bowl of it like once a week. Oh yeah, we throw it in the fridge, and that's yeah. the dogs. But
1: it's funny because she got real lethargic for a while on the old feed and we were ner- We were worried. We went to the vet and we were reading up on the board about legumes being bad for him and causing like tachycardia and all- or myocardial infarction. That's fun to say, farction. <coughs> and, um, but anyway, we switched her food. Her energy shot through the roof and she was fine. She quit chewing herself. And so I guess it was the grain, which wow. is interesting. But every breed's different. So I
2: think... That's crazy. It just goes to show you what you put in your body is gonna produce what you want outside. That's cool.
0: Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So, why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So, visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook. Read the testimonials and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. So you talked a little bit about food
1: and you talked a little bit about this kind of falling in love with strength training, which makes me excited because I'm on a strength coach. I know. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing. Was it like pulling teeth to get you started? What did the first couple weeks look like?
2: It was a little tough. My trainer did a great job of watching my fears and allowing me to be afraid. I've had knee, knee problems my whole life because I was overweight. So there's so much fear that went into that. And she let me be nervous and let me be scared, but pushed just a little bit, just enough for me to start. So that was one of the that was the slow start with certain things, trying to do that. And I still have some fear sometimes. It wasn't necessarily it was slow because, of course, I just got on the treadmill and just walked and I'm like, God, this is dumb. And then I'm like, and it was in a gym. So I was like, OK, maybe I like the bike. I go on the bike and that's OK. But I didn't feel like my heart rate was going up. I didn't feel like I was doing enough. And that's the other thing, too, is that don't just walk on a treadmill as an overweight person. Don't just walk on a treadmill. You got to get your heart rate up. You got to have it at this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it's just so overwhelming that I was like, I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. So that was definitely part of the slow process. Am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting my time? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a person. So yeah, it definitely was a slow start, and it was like learning the different machines. What feels good? What does get my heart rate up? What, you know, and be your heart rate being up feels good. I think it feels good. So that feeling again. It's all about what I was feeling. So what I did learn is my favorite cardio is the rowing machine. We built a gym in my house and we have a rowing machine and a ski erg, which is a pain, but I still do it. But yeah, it was definitely a slow process and it was a learning process. And when you think about strength training and you're like, oh, I'll just use my arms and I'll do some bicep curls, do some bicep curls. There are so many different muscles in your arms and your back. (laughs) I would be so proud of myself for doing an awesome chest press and then I would do something with my triceps and I'm like, What? Where did my (laughs) muscles go? I don't understand. Yeah. And just learning about the different muscles and ones that I need to work on and ones that are awesome. It's it was weird. It was a weird feeling, like but and it's still weird (laughs) some days. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been working on my deadlift, which I know you'd be proud, Brandon. Oh yeah. I know.
1: I hate doing it, but I think it gives you more benefit than any other exercise on the planet. That's
2: what I've heard so many times. And working on my form, that's the other thing, because I'm so paranoid of hurting myself. I actually have five herniated discs in my back and I have a metal plate in my neck. So I'm always worried about that. Go big or go home. Right. But they're always going to be an issue if I don't get stronger. Yeah. If I don't, if I don't, my knees are always going to be an issue if I don't make the muscles stronger. If I don't get stronger... I'm, it's going to get worse.
1: Yeah. Now in the almost 10 years I've been involved in fitness, um, I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard people with back injuries improve their back health with deadlifting. If done, it, it, there's two sides of the coin because it's the most dangerous exercise I've done incorrectly. But if done correctly, the benefits are just incredible. Then I always, I only have one rule with my clients. If it hurts, don't do it. So I rely on a lot of feedback, but that doesn't mean if it's burning and it's tough, don't do it. That means if it gives you joint pain, lumbar pain, acute pain, sharp pain, don't do another single rep. But if you're doing it with proper form, especially if you have coaching first, I think it could be a good idea to learn proper deadlift technique if you've got some lower back injuries once the inflammation's gone away.
2: Yeah, it's been tremendous. So one of the things, because I'm so worried about hurting myself, one of the things is I got like on Amazon, they've got these posters that show, like your body and all your different muscles. And then it shows the exercise to work that specific muscle. So if I'm doing something, and my trainer's not there, I make sure that I'm feeling it in the specific muscle that exercise was meant to. And if I'm feeling it in places that it shouldn't.
1: That's compensation.
2: Yeah. So I'm like, so I, I only did my deadlift in front of her for quite a while until I could make sure that I was doing it right. But then if I do, I am very specific about my form. So I like concentrate on it. And then when you get it right and you get to increase your weights, it's. Yeah.
1: And that's a really important point you made though about the mind muscle connection. And I'm constantly asking my clients, where do you feel that? And I'll ask them to try and think about starting the movement with that muscle. And it's such a small thing, but it makes a huge difference. And according to some studies with EKG, if you're thinking about it, 17% more of muscle fiber in that muscle will activate, which I think is amazing. That's crazy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So having that chart's awesome. Uh, a lot of times, especially when I start with a client, I'm constantly putting pulling up Google images of the muscle and we talk about which way the fibers run and why we're doing it and all kinds of stuff, but it really does make a difference. And that's pretty cool that you have those charts and you're doing that on your own already.
2: Yeah. It it makes such a difference. And when I'm, and I, my favorite part is when I wake up in the morning and I'm sore, Greatest feeling, (laughs) like my triceps hurt a lot right now, (laughs) and I love it. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good sore though. Absolutely, Um, and that's the thing too is that I had to learn what was good sore and what was bad bad sore, sore. and now I'm very clear on that. And my trainers, and and I also pay attention to if it's both sides or it's one side. Because if it's one side, then that might be an issue. But I that I pay attention a lot to that again. I listen to my body as much as possible, something I hadn't done in 40 years. Yeah, Yeah. and it sounds like you
1: have a really good trainer. We might as well plug your trainer. What's uh, (laughs) your trainer's name? Would he mind if you shared?
2: No, it's Nora Hammond. She is with Fitness Where You Are. She works with a lot of people that have any kind of injuries or anything that they're working through. She is just absolutely phenomenal. She drives me insane. But what's great, is she comes to my gym at my house and we work really hard. But yeah, she's fantastic. And when I'm cranky, she makes me work harder. <laughs>
0: That's <a> cranky tax. <laughs>
2: yeah. like it. it is. As soon as she walks in, she's like, how are you? And I'm like, eh. and she's like, OK, ma'am. <laughs>
0: You'll do burpees till you're happy.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, I think we're done here. You may leave my house. (laughs) My my music
1: professor in college had a sign over his door. It said the beatings will continue until morale improves.
2: (laughs) That's exactly what's happening.
1: (laughs) Now, um, when I have clients just starting out and they have a lot of fears and anxiety, I find that they try and cancel on me a lot. Did you find starting out you're making excuses to get out of workouts?
2: One hundred percent. I canceled a lot. That's yeah. it. I actually forgot about that when you asked. Um,
0: I thought it was really good when we first started working out. You would never let me cancel for anything. <laughs> nope. And I think I was thinking, I bet he does that with everybody because.
1: No, I'm supposed to provide
0: accountability. Yeah. Anybody, so, anything yeah. It, when you start working out was like, yeah, I got the thing. I got to do the thing. Yeah. Um, Somebody needs a sandwich. I can't (laughs) can't come. So I'm like, great,
1: I'll come to you, Joe. Here's a workout you could do in your office. Yeah, (laughs) right. So you like push-up workout. (laughs) Yeah, but but I know there's a lot of fear there, and it takes some time. But go ahead.
2: I think when I first started, and there was a lot of depression issues. I, I definitely suffer with depression issues, and getting the the balance of that exercise is going to help me with my depression issues. But literally getting out of bed took everything I had. So if I could not get out of bed to go get in my car and drive to the gym, that's one thing I don't have to worry about today. So I actually talked to her about it and I'm, I told her I'm making excuses because I can't get out of bed. And this was like it was like three years ago and I definitely felt horrible about it, but that didn't stop me from doing it. I still canceled on her. And she didn't, I think the she was like, okay, then when are we doing it? It wasn't, okay, I'll see you next week. She's like, okay, when are you coming in this week then? And it was really hard because I tried to be respectful of her time, like you said, but I was also struggling with my own mental uh, health issues. So breaking out of that and becoming uncomfortable, that's what actually broke it. I had to be uncomfortable. When you're struggling with depression and you're struggling with all this stuff, and then we went through the pandemic, and we all struggled and are still struggling, you have to be uncomfortable and being uncomfortable sucks. And I don't wanna do it and nobody wants to do it, but if I just do it a little and it feels good, the next time I'm gonna do it a little bit more and a little bit more. So being uncomfortable, I did it and I still have to do it. (laughs) But that was definitely um, part of it. I, I definitely canceled a lot. I definitely felt bad. And w- unfortunately, I still cancel sometimes and that's because of work. And that's <laughs> that unfortunately comes first right now. But yeah, that, that was that's a good point. I forgot I canceled on her so much.
1: But it's, I wanted to bring it up because I don't think there's this intent to, to just be lazy. I think it's a real struggle that's going on. And I was just curious what types of techniques help you break that? Because I, I don't view it with depression. I don't view it's any different than I wouldn't be angry at an alcoholic for drinking again because that's something they're going to struggle with for forever. And maybe I think depression can eventually be, you can get to the other side, but I do think it's a real thing you're struggling through. And I don't mean to diminish those feelings that would prevent somebody. I, th- I think it's a real struggle. What helped, what was your inner conversation that would actually get you there on the days you wanted to cancel?
2: It, <laughs> what got me there is remember last week when you canceled, Did you feel better or worse when you canceled? Yeah, And having to remember that is that the guilt, number one, of canceling on her. And number two, you didn't do what you wanted to do. Yeah. You didn't try. And of course, my trainer, the only bad workout is the workout you didn't do. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Unless you get hurt. Yeah. I tell her she's wrong all the time (laughs) because there are some bad workouts that she gives me. But that was, again, I was trying to understand my emotions. Okay, so you were depressed and you couldn't get out of bed. You canceled this. Now you're worse. Yeah. Now you feel worse because you were supposed to go and you may be disappointed or maybe not, but it was worse. So that was the inner inner thinking yeah. that I was working through is that, do you want to feel better or not? Yeah, that's really cool.
1: With some of my nutrition clients, I actually have them write them down. I said, you could have the milkshake. You could have it. But before you have it, I want you to write down... How are you going to feel after? And when you write that down, if you still want that milkshake, have it. I don't care. But at least go through the mental process of doing that. Um, and it's similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, stuff like that. But I think that's such a powerful tool.
2: Yeah. It's, it, and when I So if I were to have the milkshake, if, if, the, if that's what you told me to do right now, the other thing I would do is I would pour half of that milkshake. So I would have half of that milkshake, put the other milkshake, the other half of the milkshake aside. Once I finished half of it, are we good or do we need the other half? Because that was the other thing that I struggled with is not wasting. Yeah. I hate wasting. So I would drink the whole milkshake, but I can guarantee you I didn't need the whole milkshake. The whole entire milkshake didn't make me happy. The taste and the few, few first few sips of the milkshake made me happy. And that's all I needed. Yeah. So for instance, I love sandwiches. Sandwiches are my favorite thing. So what I do now is I have half a sandwich and I put, it, put the other half away. And you know what? It's, I'm probably gonna throw that other half of the sandwich away, which hurts my heart because nah. I don't want to waste anything. Yeah. But my body is telling me that first half was good enough. So if I put the other half of my body, it's still being wasted because my body didn't need it. It told nah. me it didn't need it. So it's still being wasted. So whether it's in the landfill or in my body, yeah. still being wasted.
1: Because it's not doing anything to help your body aside from that quick dopamine or serotonin hit from, from the first sip or two.
2: Right. And I got it. So we can move on now. I can
1: move on with my life. Yeah. And yeah, that's why it's funny. One of my clients, he, he was talking about how when he has a piece of dark chocolate, he actually has a conversation. It's just going to give me a quick boost and that's okay. And it's just a piece which is fine. I actually recommend dark chocolate. I think it's a good idea, but he has a similar conversation and he goes, I'll get that quick hit and then I'm good to go. I don't need to eat the whole bag.
2: And that was, that was a very hard lesson because like I said earlier, my food anxiety made it so that if I don't eat the whole bag, what if I'm hungry later? What if, what am I going to do if I'm hungry? It's okay. There's food out there. I have access to food Yeah. and I don't actually need food. I need water. I always have my water with me. (laughs) And so that's the other th- is that I am my water is my security blanket. So if I'm yeah. really hungry and I'm nervous that I'm hungry, I drink more water. Yeah.
1: Real quick, I just want to touch on two things about leptin sensitivity and water. Let's start with water. If you drink um, enough water, 16 ounces at a time can burn up to 100 calories in the next couple hours without moving a finger. So I think water is a great tool for weight loss. And also a lot of times we confuse thirst for hunger. So water is a very powerful tool. And then what I wanted to say about leptin, since you're talking about how you might be hungry later or not, some people have what's called leptin sensitivity and probably the more wheat struggles you have, the, the more issues you have with leptin sensitivity. Leptin is the hormone that tells us we're hungry. Sorry, no, ghrelin is. I got that backwards. Ghrelin tells us we're hungry. Leptin tells us we're full. So some people's leptin response is delayed. So waiting, just like you said, is a fantastic technique. So tell yourself, if you're still hungry, later have it, but wait. And I still have to employ this with myself. I'm a former fat kid. I lost 84 pounds and I, I still want to eat all the things and all the donuts. And anytime I go out, I... I grew up eating my whole plate and it's very difficult for me to want to put some aside. And I'm constantly having that battle. Are my, am I really hungry or am I just eating? Cause it's there. Or is this enough to satiate me? But some of that has to do with leptin sensitivity and understand depending on what's going on with your specific body, your leptin response might be delayed and it's a great technique to put half of it away for later. Still say if you're hungry, you have it, but at least give yourself the, the potential to not have it.
0: I really like the way that you phrase it and I've heard other people say it, like I just listen to my body. That makes so much more sense than the guilt or the should I conversation that a lot of people have because that's really messed up in our culture. Like the idea Negative. eat more, eat less. You're not the right size. You're not the right shape, and all that. And listening to your body is just a lot more nice. It's it's just that's a nice way to treat yourself as opposed to the way that like culture kind of tells us we should treat our bodies. Like they're out to get us, it's the only one you got. You might as well be nice to it, (laughs) listen to it.
2: And And it's working really hard for you, but let it do its job. One of the things that I wanted to share real quick too about food is I love to be around my friends. I love to do things and it always revolves around food. If you ever noticed that, you're like, oh, come over, we'll do game night. We'll have snacks. Well, let's go out to dinner. Let's try a new restaurant. So my friends are awesome and we have created this new way of eating. We make, even if we're not going to a tapas restaurant, we're going to eat tapas. So what that means is there'll be 12 of us sitting at a table. All We'll order like 10 dishes and we're sharing all 10 of those dishes. So it's like you are enjoying... Each pizza, I'll get a separate plate, just a a blank plate, and put a little bit of everybody's food on our plate, and that's what we enjoy. And it it sometimes drives the servers crazy, and we compensate them. But (laughs) it's a way to understand how to enjoy your food so much more, and we get so much enjoyment out of trying all the things. Like, we'll get all the appetizers, and we'll each have a little scoop of each appetizer, and we get to try all the food on that menu and enjoy it so much more. We've been doing this for yeah, probably three years. Obviously we haven't done it in the past two years but
1: because of uh, covid uh, we just had a bni outing and did the same thing and i was in this is uh, a crosstown pub shout out to them good food great restaurant downtown great Keri. place and i had something that changed my life it was a <laughs> uh, deep fried pimento cheese ball oh yeah <laughs> i'm a changed man <laughs> but, but uh, so that never would have happened if we didn't do this tapas style sharing of appetizers so. yeah
2: you try different things <laughs> that's not healthy but anyway well, yeah. I, th-
0: I think what works about that is that nobody feels obligated to finish their plate. If you're all sharing and there's food left on the table, nobody feels like I didn't finish.
2: Right. I didn't. Fi- yeah. That's the big thing is I didn't finish. And the again, the enjoyment of the first like few bites of your dish. Yeah. You can have that all night long because you're trying the first bite right. of all these different dishes. Yeah. And then you're happy afterwards and you don't need anything. And yeah. it's we went to what's that place in Durham? The tapas place that sounds right. Oh my gosh, that place is amazing! Yeah. Amazing, and that's what we and that's how we started doing it. Is like we're and we actually just tell the, the server, just bring us whatever you think we'd like. We like everything, look at us, and they do. <laughs> and it's amazing, it's the best yeah. way to eat because we are enjoying every single bite.
1: Yeah, now, I think doing things like that occasionally, depending on where you are in your health journey, is, is healthy. We're 80 20 here at Fire Within, and we don't want to take. The enjoyment, the social aspect and and all these things away and say, you could never have this. You can never have a deep fried pimento cheese ball uh, unless you have a severe allergy to it. So I think for sustainability and something that's going to last, allowing yourself, these types of things are great. And I like this technique of everybody sharing and having the one bite, because if I order a whole thing of wings, what's going to happen? I'm going to eat the whole thing in the fries. And then I'm also going to order an appetizer and I'm probably going to eat that whole thing. So doing it this way, I'll probably eat less. Plus, you don't want to look like a hog and take all of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Because I wa- I wanted that whole thing of pimento cheese balls. So anybody in my B&I group, if you're listening, uh, the only thing that stopped me was it was split between the group. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing too. <laughs> yeah. But you no, know, those are good points. Now that you've gone through this journey, I don't know that any, do you feel like I've arrived, I'm there? Or do you feel like there's more to go? Are you, how do you, where's your mindset on that part?
2: Oh, I have a lot more to go. I have a lot more to go. When I'm really stressed about work and I'm really trying to focus on doing the right thing, I do. I do slip. Um, I, like I need to change my emotion of stress, and I will eat something. And I, when I I'm going to take that word "slip" back because it's not a slip. It's just not what I attend, intended to do. I wasn't listening to my body. I was listening to my head and my negative self talk, and I needed a quick change of emotion. So if I shove a whole bunch of uh, Reese's Christmas butter trees, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those trees, oh, those trees, um, I will eat a lot of them because I, and then I have to recognize you just tried to change your emotion. Why didn't you just put the eat the one and then move it back? So it's I'm still learning to go with my emotions. I'm still learning to find the things that I love. I think it's going to be an every it's going to be a process for the rest of my life. And I'm totally fine with that. I love learning. And if it, that means learning about myself and what I need to do, definitely. I absolutely need to exercise more because it makes me feel good because it makes me feel good. I don't. I definitely see the difference. I'm stronger and I know that helps lose weight is being stronger and your body's working for you better. But I need to exercise more because it makes me feel better. I can't say that enough. And I think that's with my depression and my work um, being so challenging. That's what I need to do. No, I'm not done my journey. I've got a long way to go and I need to I need to do a better job of making exercise more of a priority.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like the best technique is thinking if I don't go, how am I going to feel? Absolutely. And that makes a difference. So I think I'm going to employ that more often, especially with my nutrition clients. And I have a lot of clients that are nurses and they're really struggling. And my my nurse clients have always had a high cancellation rate since COVID started. And I know they're struggling with that depression aspect and it is hard to get out of bed and they are struggling with those things. So I appreciate those tips um and I'll definitely start employing that technique more. Now, one thing we like to leave our listeners with our guests is if there are three things you can tell somebody that are ready to to or that are starting to make a health change regardless of what it is, what are the top 3 things you would suggest to them?
2: You got to listen to your body. It knows what it's doing. It it knows what it's doing. Um and it might mean changing habits completely. And that's okay. Your body, like I said, your body knows what it's doing. So keep trying until you find the thing that works for you. And so listen to your body. Emotions are real and always valid. What emotion are you working for right now? And how do you accomplish that? And some people, when you get really mad about something, oh, don't be mad about that. No, it's okay. You can be mad about that. Yeah. And that's part of the negative self-talk that happens so much that turns us into doing something that we really shouldn't be doing. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's also okay to be really happy. So own your emotions and be okay with that and listen to your body. Third thing, you got to find the exercise that works for you. If you don't want to be on the treadmill, don't be on the treadmill. I actually, I do, I'm on the treadmill a lot, but that's just to get my body warmed up. And that's all I use it for. So I get, I'm on the treadmill, get my body worked up. We do, we're going, we're planning another trip. We just recently went to a friend's trip to Montana. We did a lot of hiking now we're going to Banff. So one of the things I use my treadmill for is uh, incline because I know I'm going to be hiking more. So I I use it for incline. So it's a very specific thing I'm using my treadmill for. Yeah. But So find the exercise that works for you. And I love my rower. So that's what I do to get my heart rate up the most of the time. And I challenge myself. I'm not trying to beat anyone else. I'm trying to beat me. So those are the three things I think I would stick with.
1: Oh, that's great advice. Absolutely. We really appreciate you coming on the show. If uh, people wanted to get in contact with you, the Caring Place or anything you care about, how would they reach you or, or those things?
2: So number one, the Caring Place is uh, com, and the Caring Place is C-A-R-Y-I-N-G place, a little bit different. And you can go on the about us and you can find me on there. I am the third from the top. My email is on there. You can definitely email us. One of the big things that I would like to take away from this is please use your voices to help with affordability of apartments and anything that you, we can do to help. There are some organizations out there, called one's called One Wake, where we can put our voices out there saying the need for affordable housing in our area. So that's how you can reach me.
0: <laughs> the day that this episode comes out, there's still a couple days to get involved in the Caring Place 2021 Home for the Holidays benefit where they are raising money to uh, support to help give families a home for the holidays, They're trying to raise 80000 and they're at about 35 right now, so you still have time to donate and help them hit that goal. So go check that out at give.thecarryingplace.org.
1: Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media.